0: think the race is going to be hot and it's going to favor himself but you know looking at it realistically he reckons you know there'll be a tent or two behind the Ferraris and the Red Bull that haven't closed it up yet which is kind of what I'm thinking myself Um, but attached to that um, Hamilton has made an announcement that says his teammate Russell has all the qualities to lead, listen to this, lead uh, the team to success. Now you might See where I'm going with this little bit of a conversation. It's it, it kind, it,
1: it kind of coming across maybe that he is going to be uh, next in line for the throne uh, genre. Okay? Well, well,
0: this is the thing you see, Mercedes are going to run the reserve driver, um, the Veer, in place of Hamilton and for free practice one um, in France. So, yeah, it's kind of they're running their test driver. Obviously, they're going to say to see the car and test the car, but you don't really run the test drivers in free practice unless you really understand what's going, or you know you want to understand something different. Um, and that's where you want to be. You're really trying to understand something different. Now, I think with George Russell's very down to earth view. With running a test driver and with Lewis reckon that Russell is good to lead the team um, for the future, I think my prediction at the start of the rare could be right. I think Lewis Hamilton could be leaving this year and if not this year, definitely next year. Um,
1: don't worry, Michael, if your prediction is wrong, we'll have plenty of listeners texting and in saying, ah, 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 Yeah,
0: yeah, look, look at that, look at that, look at I mean, what's he like, that stupid egypt like, you know, predicting everything as usual. Uh, <laughs> but it is, I, look, I, I, it's kind of reading between the lines, but it's not very difficult reading between the lines, is no. it? No, no, it isn't really that difficult. Lewis is not getting younger. Um, you know Lewis is doing his best. I'm not saying Lewis isn't, and I'm not saying Lewis isn't the great driver. Of course he is. He's a world champion. He's a seven times world champion. But the thing is, he's he's taken his time. He's going he's going to take um, George Russell eventually. He's going to get ahead of him for fourth place. But you know, so far George has been ahead of him more often than Hamilton's been ahead of George Russell. George Russell is a class act. And he's a younger yeah. man by a good few years. Um, I think it's wise. He's I, kind of I, the
1: future of Mercedes, really.
0: Yes, I think it's wise. I think it's wise Hamilton didn't announce his retirement at the end of last season. Because it would yeah. have looked like sour grapes. Um, it yeah. really would have. And I know he was considering it, but it really would have looked like sour grapes. So I think the extra years a good idea. And I yeah. think... You know, he's not going to win this year unless, like, Red Bull and Ferrari blow up in nearly every, every second race. It's just not going to happen. But um, I, I think he's doing well enough that this is the time to leave still on a high, if you get me.
1: But he he will be leaving uh, in the context of honour because, you know, you know he, he has been a very honourable driver over the years and he has really essentially to the wider I suppose Formula One world, he has nothing to prove to anyone because he he has he has done it on the tracks, So yeah. his, his record, his record, with the exception of this year and unfortunate. Well, I suppose unfortunately for him, the last race of last year. You know, yeah. he, he yeah. His record speaks for itself. Uh,
0: la- last year was a disaster um it-, yeah. it didn't matter it didn't matter who was going to win last year really i mean you know I-, I-, I think max got the better end of the stick because he won but in the long run i think the two of them well i i i do to think the two of them were like two young fellas trying to best each other last year so you know I think the less said about that the better um, yes. I think with Lewis look he has his good points he has his bad points like him don't like him he's still a seven time world champion he's still doing his job he's still doing as well if he decides to retire this year fair play to you job well done
1: yeah, and uh, I suppose uh, that that's going to be interesting, but uh, yeah, so a very a very interesting French Grand Prix to look forward to. So, listen, thanks very much to, for taking the time out to to discuss this week's uh, Grand Prix, and we look forward to looking back to uh, looking back at it next week, and of course looking looking forward to the next one. So, until next week, we'll chat. Ta- we'll chat to you then.
0: Until next week, and hopefully we won't get, I won't get us carried away.
1: <laughs> yeah, no so listen, thanks very much. And uh, that was Michael O'Grady, our Formula One expert. Welcome, right. and you're very welcome to this week's sideline coach. Myself, Aidan Rafty. And of course, we have, the, uh, we have the legend that is Larry O'Gorman. Hello, Larry. How are you? Are you well? Hello, Aidan. Yeah, how are you? All doing well so far anyway, down here in the sunny southeast that's the stuff that's the way to have it and you've been enjoying the lovely weather
2: that we've been having over the last couple of weeks I've been doing a lot of work and you know inside (laughs) and outside (laughs) (laughs) lovely Harlan weather (laughs) uh, yeah I wouldn't be running around too much though to be honest no, and I suppose uh, well, this
1: week we're going to be talking about the, uh, we're going to be looking back to the All-Ireland-Hurland final there that took place last week in between uh, what was in what was a great game, a great game, of Hurling, one of the best games of Hurland, uh, uh, one of the best All-Ireland finals I'd have to say for, for, for a number of years but uh, yeah it was, it was a very interesting, uh, it was a very good game between between Limerick and, of course, Kilkenny. but I suppose really another part, another part of it, as always, is the celebration of the the twenty fifth anniversary of a an team that wins in All Ireland, and I suppose. And two teams that were included in that on uh, on Sunday were clear but uh, I, I suppose Donal Cusack raised uh, raised the point uh, on on the Sunday game by by and he was quite right. It was a legitimate point. It showed kind of uh, disrespect when you consider that uh, they were introduced to the crowd uh, an hour before throw in, and of course I'd like to say congratulations to yourself and uh, your your fellow the fellow your fellow um, Wexford players as well who were introduced to the crowd at halftime before. What were your overall thoughts on the, the way the GA conducted that? Um, you know, if, if when you consider, you know, what it take all the effort that a player has to, had to put in back in those days and those these days, it, it's very hard to win in All Ireland. So, you know, I think like kind of recognition or appreciation, um, should should be afforded to the players. But what's
2: your your thought on uh, the way it was organised? Yeah, well, sure. With well, all the emails and everything going around earlier on, uh in the last three or four months to say, you know, welcome, we're going to have your Jubilee 25 year uh, March on the Crow Park and uh, we're all looking forward to you and it's going to be a marvellous day for, for Wexford. and of course we were being joined by Claire because uh, it was cancelled the last two years and they would have been part of the Jubilee celebrations as well so we were all looking forward to it, you know, the, the players themselves and the county board got together and uh, They said they were going to talk us out nice and well, and you know we were going to parade in the manner that we did back in '96 and so on. And you know it it was a great honour for ourselves to be to be asked to go uh, and do it, and it was a great honour to be going to be facing the whole um, the 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 the, the full full capacity maybe of Crow Park at half time. So we were all looking forward to it, and we were all excited about it. So. It didn't plan out the way we thought it would have in the end, but it was just before the game, uh, sorry, just before we actually went into Coral Park and Martin story had passed on the word that that we're going out first and then Claire are going out after us. And I said, yeah, that's good. To, in my own head, I said, that's good. And then I realised then that we were going out at quarter past two or twenty past two. And I was saying that was an hour before the game, thinking yeah. in my own head that there'd be no one there. And, you know, I wasn't quite sure what kind of uh, audience would, would have been there, so I turned around and uh, we, we went. To we went ahead. We went ahead. to get called, and uh, when we went out, there, and I couldn't believe it. To be honest, Hayden, there was a very, very small crowd there. Uh, I want. I don't know if it's embarrassing for the crowd, or it was embarrassing for us to be going out there. Uh, you know. You know. You'd like to be uh, treated with the greatest respect uh, for all the time, at the time, and effort that you put in. T-
1: yeah,
2: that's it, and uh, it's just a shame the way it happened, wasn't it? It was, it was lovely, heading, but it's just when we got down out of the field, we felt as if we were just like uh, like sheep, you know, just pushed out onto the field, get the presentation, uh, get the, the introduction done to the small crowd, and then back in, and then you do what you like after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it would have probably like, because I mean, traditionally, you know, the way we used to see it done would be like at the minor match of a half time of the minor match and half time at the senior match or between the the senior matches or between the senior and the the, the minor match. But uh, you know, when the when the tra when the majority of the crowd would be in it. But uh, you know, it, it's just a shame that the, the way it worked out. But it, it was it must have been a nice day for you to uh, kind of. Look back because you you would have spoken to I'm sure the uh, the Clare team as well and you know fond memories of you know when he won it when uh, Wexford won it in '96 and I suppose when for Clare when they won it in in '95 and and won it in '97 or '98 in '97 as well so uh, it would it would have been nice to meet up with you to meet up with the Clare and, and exchange stories as well
2: yeah it was for all it was a lovely yep. day to be meeting both teams and uh, you know we as I say we had a lovely meal and stuff and just sit down and chat to a few of them but because it happened so quick you know that we were in got to be up in proper order and stuff like that and as I say you know yeah before the game or whatever but you know we didn't know what to expect to be honest and in my head when I was going up I talked uh, we were going to be introduced before the game and Clare were going to be introduced at half time. So to be honest there was a lot of disappointment uh, uh, from, from that point of view from both sides but you know it is what it is that we you can't do that about it and I, I, I do believe the GA came out this morning Crow Park came out this morning and they said they wanted to apologise for it so I know it's a bit late yeah. we were just saying at the time it was a little bit miserable for what happened. And I suppose really the, the the main
1: event of the day was the the All Ireland final itself. And I said, as, as I said there at the start, what what an amazing game of Harlem One of the best games we've seen, one of the best All Irelands we've seen in, in in quite a while. It had it had everything really, had a, a great skill. Two great, two great teams going at, at, at for you know, held for leather. And uh, but I, I suppose really, lo- looking at the game and another thing from a health and safety point of view as well, it's it's a wonder that there was no um, water break kind of 18, 18 minutes into the first half and then 18, 18 minutes into the second half, you know, just to, for the because it would have been very warm on the pitch. That, that's kind of one thing. But it, it had everything you'd look for in the match. It had uh, intensity, both teams going out at head for leather. And, uh, you know, in fairness, Kilkenny did give them a, a game. But I suppose the the last impression, really, from looking at it was, You know, um, Limerick never really looked in trouble. Like a few, maybe on the Sunday game, they were saying that, you know, that that, uh, they were, you know, maybe that Limerick looked in trouble. But uh, yeah, in fairness, Kilkenny equalised and all that. But you you always knew that um, Limerick had something in the tank or enough in the tank that, you know, when that happened, that they'd go up and score a couple of points to kind of, you know, go back into the lead. So it, it would be different, we say, maybe if Kilkenny had went into the lead, a few times,
2: maybe yeah, that you 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 could say that. But what's your overall um, thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah. Well, from the, from the point of view from the day that was in it, you know, we we're all expecting a big game. The two, two probably the best hurling teams in the country at the present moment. <clears throat> a lot of skill and a lot of ability and a lot of hunger in, in both teams. So I was expecting a, a thriller, and we ended up finishing up with a with a thriller of a game. Uh, looking at the game overall the first half was a little bit sort of sluggish enough if I could say that they were trying to suss each other out and they were, uh, Limerick were playing the better hurling um, Kilkenny were relying on TJ to get a, a, to tap over five or six uh, frees as well as you know a little few from play or whatever but, but Kilkenny knew where the goal posts were and to me they didn't get enough shots at the post in the first half to drag themselves even closer at half time even though Limerick were far superior by looking at the game itself <clears throat> but in the in the second half, yeah, I knew Kilkenny had nothing to lose. They came out with all guns blazing. They they, they kept their shape and they kept hurling away. And even on occasions, uh, yeah, when Kilkenny came back, you're right. When they came back to Limerick, Limerick seemed to just jump into another gear and uh, go up the field and get a couple of scores. Maybe every time Kilkenny got one, Limerick got two, and if Limerick got closer than than uh, than they expected, uh, you know, Limerick realised that they were in trouble, so they went up and they maybe tapped two or three over the bar. So. Kilkenny did get back to a draw but it, it took a mighty effort from him and they brought in Walter Welch and Richie Hogan and they did make a, a slight change in the performance of Kilkenny but you, know, you, you can't fault Kilkenny for their mighty effort overall but yeah. I still believe that Limerick had had a little bit more in the tank, and uh, they looked as if they knew how to win it, and Kilkenny were trying to just pull him in. You know, it's like catching that big fish, you know, you're trying to reel him in and reel him in, and when you finally get him in, then he gets off the hook, and that's exactly what happened. Kilkenny thought they had him, Limerick never panicked. You know, they played this bit of an explosive uh, attack in the forwards where they had everyone lying down the middle, and then they, they just explode to either left or right, and Nicky Quaid was able to pick him out where Kilkenny, more or less went with the long ball, hoping that Walter and other lads would pick it up in the last ten minutes, thinking that Limerick would, would have got tired, but they didn't. Limerick had enough class within themselves to see the likes of Garrahan, Hegarty, Tom Morrissey, Kyle Hayes, and these lads, Declan Hannan, Kevin Byrne, uh, De- Declan Byrne. Sorry, they all ha- had a lot of hurling of quality uh, with them, but even at times, to be honest, they hadn't Limerick did wobble at the knees on occasions, but you know Kilkenny couldn't uh, couldn't kill them off at the time when when they did get their chance, so. Overall, it was a fantastic occasion uh, from the players' health point of view. Uh, to be honest, there was a nice little breeze in Crow Park. I didn't think it was really as warm as people were putting it down to be, but uh, they all seemed to manage it quite well. And, you know, there was no players, and it was quite unusual, Ed, And There was no players going down cramping. So I say I say they had taken a lot of liquids on board. Uh, they didn't seem to run out of gas. And if you were running out of gas, the GPS system that you'll carry on your back would tell you you know, that your levels had dropped and then they were able to make a a few changes in the last 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, the players, personally, I know it's it's a a player's health is the most important, but they didn't seem to be struggling with that. And I think if the referee needed to do something, he would have called it. But it, it didn't happen. And, you know, people were praying that Limerick wouldn't get a water break because they seemed to do well in the previous years with water breaks. And, when it didn't happen, you know they're still able yeah. to manage it without the water break. So overall, you know Brian Cody was very proud of his team, and you know he he said he he couldn't have asked for any more. And John Coyle as, well, as well, saying that you know his team went to the well on numerous occasions this year, and and they got themselves through it. So well, they're starting to slip up a small bit in in a small way. That Clare and Galway and Kilkenny ran them very very close. So you know maybe they're not going to run away, with uh, you know with, with the championships that's the thought, uh, thought of uh, would be facing in the number of years because other teams are able to pick up on it now very easily and you know your young team average age 26, 27 or 25, 26 you know is the hunger going to be there year in year out because of the effort and commitment and time that goes into it and so it will be it will be interesting we'll all end up you know with everything done and dusted you know celebrations all over and you know there'll be a couple of county teams there with new managers coming in we'll be looking forward to getting a, a new set up with, with the new squads and uh, you know that that'll surely kick in now when the club championship is over so you don't have too much of a break if you're in into county hurler with new managers coming in so it's going to be interesting how we're going to how the, how the likes of Waterford whoever comes in there you know there's rumors you know in Kilkenny that Cody will step down and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see how they're all going to address it uh, when when the, when the big season comes in because we're all aware when new managers come in they want to set out their plan and they're not going to wait too long by getting a group of players in and try and build a, a a bond between them and build a good strong unit.
1: And I suppose, really, you know, we were talking off air there, maybe um, a few, maybe tactics that 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 might have worked. Uh, as you say, you know, the physical presence may maybe of Walter Welsh, and maybe you know, maybe cert- substitutions at certain times or in certain ways at the right time. You know, would that have would that have swung yeah. it? Maybe in Kilkenny's way. The, you know, we were just talking off air there. So, just to tell the listeners your kind of thoughts on that side of it. You know, and especially on the the Walter Welsh. You know, where where to have where he would have been uh, useful for Kilkenny and Maybe would have curbed um, the Limerick threat to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to me, uh, looking from the point of view where I was looking in the. The Limerick half forward line was, was more or less going to town, and they didn't think the physicality. Richie Richie Reid on well centre back, but on the other side of them, lads were struggling with with Tom Henn- Tom Hennessy and with gorota Higarty. So they were finding it very very difficult to deal with them in terms of physicality. Now you know we're all well able to run the Kilkenny lads are well able to run, they're well able to hurl, but the physicality side of it, you know, you need you need to try and break it down. <clears throat> Most teams would start with their half back. <laughs> set up attacks in the forwards, and if you, know, I think, their half forward line was on top. And I, I felt myself if they don't try a bit of physicality in for a while, just to break it down. And you know, I was just saying to Liam Griffin and the great George I mean, that why well, don't the to to Welsh back in the half back line just to try and curve with a small bit. because you can drift them in and out between midfield and half back because Limerick half forward line feels well. So it would have suited Walter terms the physicality with Gorona Hegarty but. I think they left a little bit late to bring Walter on he did perform quite well for the first 10 or 15 minutes when he came on but then they shoved him in full forward and Kilkenny were sort of desperate to get a couple of points on the board and they sort of forgot about maybe the likes of um Walter Welch and Richie Hogan in around the full forward line. So maybe they should have come up with a plan of maybe pumping two or three balls in around the edge of the square when they had a nice bit of possession. And even from the freeze point of view, you know, I thought they were a little bit hard done by, but with freeze and if he don't give him, he's getting booed by the Kilkenny lads, and if he do give it, he's been booed by the Limerick lads. So it was sort of a fifty-fifty uh, uh, chance of Kilkenny getting some frees, but I think they deserved two or three frees. But from the physical physical side of it, I think Kilkenny lacking that small bit, hoping that they keep the ball down low and run at these Limerick lads. But I think Cody realised now in the end that uh, you know speed is one thing, but strength and speed is another thing. And, and I think and and the form that Limerick were in in the second half, especially. You know, as you said, in they knew how to see it out. They never threw in the towel. They never got flustered. They just kept their focus and kept going, sticking to the game plan. And it paid off for them in the end. And even though Kilkenny did get close to a draw, or sorry, Kilkenny got in, uh, got level with him at one stage. Maybe if Kilkenny up or whatever, you know, would Limerick fade away? But, you know, looking from where I was sitting... Limerick weren't too panicking. You know, John Coyley wasn't panicking. Cody was a little bit more nervous because Limerick were starting to get uh, get on top, as they said, in locations where uh, he, it didn't happen in the first half for Limerick, and all of a sudden, as I said, Tom Morrissey even Aaron Galan looked a little bit sluggish. But every time we got the ball, he looked so dangerous. So, from an overall overall point of view, uh, it was it was a fanta- fascinating game. The second half was brilliant. The crowd, the atmosphere was the magic. And, uh, you know, uh, it was a great day for a spectacle of, of hurling for the for the people of the world that looked in on us. You know, the game of hurling happens, especially in the quarter semifinals of finals. And this year, it was one of the best all-hurling finals we've seen in a long time. And people, Kilkenny went away uh, uh, that uh, unsuccessful, but uh, their supporters were very, very proud of their team. Uh, you know, a lot of people said that Limerick would blow them out of water, but Kilkenny, as Kilkenny, great heart great spirit, but on the day, you know, you have to applaud Limerick for what well, they achieved with their three in their own. You can't take that away from. Them.
1: And of course, really, we, we, you know, when you when you look at Limerick's system and uh, maybe their strategy and tactics, the cornerstone of of their play has to be the, um, the you know, the Nicky Quaid's pokeouts, his experience, you know the you know everything was planned to a T by John Kylie. You know he has someone, Nicky Quinn has someone working with him for the puck outs. And you know all his puckouts were well worked. And at the he did the correct puck outs at the correct time. It was it was very it was very impressive, very professional as well. And also I suppose really looking throughout the championship as well with uh, with Limerick. You know they they had no real easy view or easy kind of. Um, trip to to the final because I mean in Monster, you know, Tipperary gave them a game. Yeah, a real game. You could nearly say that maybe Tipperary, to an extent, were unlucky not to beat Limerick. But then, uh, the, then you have uh, Clare in the round robin uh, that uh, obviously ended a draw. What a game that was! And then you know, in the monster final as well, you know, step up Tony Kelly. What another great game the monster final was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, went into extra time. What a sideline cut to it. under under that pressure. The last poke, the last sideline cut of the game, and it had to go over to take it into extra time. So you could say Clare were unlucky, and then obviously you know to be fair, Galway gave them a gave them a good game as well. But um, you know, but I think that's the cornerstone of an All Ireland uh, of an All Ireland champions is you know when they're in the tight corner, they're
2: able to find their way around.
1: They're uh, they're
2: able to find their way out of trouble. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. As I said here earlier, in, Uh Awesome team, and they have been for the last three or four, maybe five years. You know, this team has been together quite a number of years, you know, and they're an awesome team, you know. And as I say, you know, when your belly is full, you know, how much more do you want to go at it, you know? And to me, it looked like this year was a year that they they sort of got out of jail on a couple of occasions, but they had the will to do it, they had the knowledge and, and and the whereabouts to do it, and maybe that's the reason why they got. Through, uh, through right to the very end you know they, they know themselves you know that teams are catching up on them. teams are rebuilding teams are coming up with plans to stop them or whatever and there's no question about it there'll be Limerick's playing how to, to cover it how to make them down or whatever, or whatever. because as, as I said earlier, Limerick looked a little bit average when Kilkenny got on top there for maybe seven or eight or nine minutes uh, you know Limerick looked a little bit average you know fellas were looking at one another fellas were putting their hands out to one another and saying what are you doing what are you doing and stuff like this and I, I said to myself I, I said to myself uh, Limerick after uh, after uh, wobbling her a small bit but you know that, uh, that was sort of a little bit of a panic stage at the time when Kilkenny scored his second goal and all of a sudden then they did questions were asked and but as you say John Kiley got him he told him to calm down get her a plan to bear, to bear even all of these lads again they'll be back next year they in the championship next year we'll be and both that, we're the ones to stop them so, so it's going to be an entralogy introg- 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 uh, <coughs> sorry him uh, next- again because as I said Munster Bum- Bum- is alive and kick him and there'll be a lot of excitement up up up. To, to next year uh, you know Limerick as I said have a lot of mileage on their tank now for the last five years there's no question about it but you know <clears throat> will other teams step up now and knock him off their perch that's it, and I suppose really,
1: um, you know, one uh, one sucker punch really for Limerick was the loss of uh, of Keane Lynch, obviously, to an injury during the week, which led to him to leaving the to not being able to take. Yeah, and um, I suppose he, you you know that it was. It's good to see um the you know the key players in key positions. Uh, you know it was good to see Mike Casey back, wasn't it? You know he he was unlucky with with injuries. I suppose you know as I said, Keane Lynch as well. He was missing uh, you know due to injury. Unfortunately, you never like to see a player of his quality missing on an Ireland final day. He he probably would have made a difference. But the, the one, I suppose plan B that he had was. And it was a master stroke was being able to put in Kyle Hayes in in uh, in centre forward as well, which worked. Uh, you know, while while Keane Lynch was out with the initial with his initial injury, but um, you know it could have been um, you know a bit more of a convincing victory maybe if, if Keane was uh, if Keane was back playing. But uh, yeah, it, it's and, and I suppose elsewhere as well would be the um, the stories. You, you know, the managerial the sacking of. Colin Bonner for the from the Leemur, from the Tipperary senior Hurling. but I suppose uh, they had a ready made replacement in Liam Cahill, and of course it's looking like uh, Derek McGrath is going to be the front runner for the Waterford job. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, I, I feel sorry for Colin Bonner to be quite honest. You yeah, know, I do as well. he had well. he had a, he had a to- uh, you could see he had a tough old year. You know, um, last two or three years, Tipperary. Have given some outstanding performances, and uh, he lost key players to retirement and an injury this year. So he would have been down very, very low in terms of trying to get a full panel, get ready for the championship. You know, he 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 bled in uh, a couple of lovely young lads into the hurling world uh, down in Tipperary, and he had a couple of experienced lads with him, But it didn't pan out for him well in the end. and um, of course, when they lost to Kerry in the old Munster League, you know that wasn't a great start for him. And start for him. And a lot of people were sort of saying, where are we going with this guy? This fella has is, is already had a, have a solid setback. But he he can only go and do what he can do, you know, and he, he did his best. He was in Wexford, he was in round Cairo and stuff like that. And he's a great hurling man and a lovely man to be with as well, to be honest. And, and unfortunately now the way he got hit with it now, it's a bit of a sucker punch for himself. But I don't think, um, you know, there's any any sympathy in, in terms of a... County Boards or on there, if they want to move you on, they'll move you on. And you know now they have Liam Cahill in, and I think he'll do a fantastic job with with Airy. He worked with these players for a number of years at underage levels, minor and under 21. So he'll have a good idea of what these are like, and he'll have an idea of what he needs to bring in as well. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I, I think it'll make a bit of a difference, but you'll have to feel sorry for Colin Bonner. Absolutely, yeah, and I suppose really when you
1: look at it too, uh, just kind of finally, um, you know, you, you look at the Tipperary the miners this year as well. What a t- what a team they have! You know, getting all getting to the, the All Ireland final, and uh, you know, it was a special atmosphere twenty seven thousand at it. So these lads, now in a couple of years' time, imagine the players that uh, that he, he'll have to uh, to work with. Liam Kyle will have to work with, and of course, he was the former. Uh, Minor, minor hurling manager as well, so he'd be probably very familiar with these lads as well. So, oh yeah some serious
2: it, talent coming through. Oh, absolutely, and big time. You know, uh, Tipperary hurling. I know it hasn't been on the uh, on on the trophy side of it there for a number of years, but I tell you, they, they, build, and they will rebuild themselves up, and, and they could be the new force in hurling in a couple of years' time. And and and, and it goes around and, and swings around in different with different counties there for a number of years. Kilkenny haven't been really, really successful at underage for the last number of years and yet they're still a producer at the top level so once once you have quality coming through at minor under 21, you'll always be at the top table but uh, Kilkenny didn't really lose too many you know, in, in the last two or three years and that's why Cody was able to build a, a good strong base on what he had and, and he's got a super team out at the moment so there is rumours that Brian Cody will be stepping down uh, it'll be interesting to see what will happen then, will Henry Shefflin come from Galway or, or will Eddie Brennan take over so it's going to be interesting but the rumour is that Brian Cody will be stepping down from the Kilkenny position and, and if it is then we'll talk more about him next week but uh, that's the word going around but uh, it's not a definite but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see You know, Derek McGrath another one big name back into Waterford will the talks of go back to Waterford so uh, and, uh, a change once again on the cards of management and of course to show you now in if you're not successful after the first year or two you know there's no room they'll just push you on and bring someone else in and that's the unfortunate thing now when county boards are are, are paying big money out in terms of uh, teams and, and and managers and stuff and county board the running of county board levels and the running teams is, is kind of teams has gone very expensive and that covers a lot of the finance when when we agree with Davy when he was here. He got a lot of bums on seats and and it created a nice financial end of it, and it covered a lot of expenses down in Wexford. So Tipperary will have to do that as well. Waterford will certainly do it because if you look back at the league, they were definitely one of the best teams in the league, and for some reason, uh, their tank emptied out very, very quick in the very same way that cleared it after the Munster final. So it takes a mighty effort to get to a level in, and if you if you if you judge it right. And if, and if you get it right, well, then there's a great chance and a possibility that you 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 could get to an All in semi-final or final. So it goes to show you it's it's all about gauging it properly. You know, and the, the professional side of it has gone into the, into the game. It's it's massive, and you know, if short-term success doesn't always give you long-term victories, you know, so that's what happened with Waterford and Clare so I, I honestly believe they'll bounce back next year so we're going to see a lively All-Ireland next year again I, I honestly believe it you know Darry Egan here in Wexford only knew six months in this and he, we had a reasonable good year with him Shefflin in Galway uh, he got better as the year got on and Galway got better with him as well so it'll be interesting to see what we're going to face down the line but once again in I think Harland was the winner uh, when you look back at this year's Championship I would have seen it I would have liked to see a, a larger space in between some of the games uh, a lot of players found it tough going, you know, week in week out playing championship matches. So I would have preferred maybe that you know you play every second week just to give you a breather or recovery time because if you're a star player like Tony Kelly who got injured in the Munster final, he wasn't he wasn't in running to be quite honest again. Wexford and it's the same again. Kilkenny. he was struggling with a bit of an injury. He's the type of player that I didn't want to throw in the towel. He wanted to continue on, but unfortunately it didn't happen to him at the end of this, uh, at the end of this year for him in terms of ex- Clare's exit. But he's another one of, one of, one of Hurling's best at the moment, and he'll be back, and Clare will be back to prove a point to everyone. So it's going to be interesting, Ed, and we're all looking forward to it that's it and uh, it's
1: going to be interesting to see over the next week if there's any changes with with regards to does Eric
2: McGrath get the uh, get the water for job so it's something for us to look forward to talking about next week no problem man and thanks very much and thanks to all your listeners for listening all the year round and hopefully we'll have a good old chat on how the year ended uh, and, and the new managers coming in we'll speak about it next week no problem, man. Listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do the
1: interviews. As I know you're you're a busy man and you've a family there, so it's very much appreciated. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, William. God bless. No problem. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that was Larry
3: O'Garman, former. Our... Okay, last weekend, three of the Athlone Town ladies under seventeen squad. We're brought down to the AUL Complex in Dublin to go through Irish trials assessment for the under-17s international side. And I'm delighted to have Anthony Fay on the line to talk about the three girls who went up for assessment. Anthony is the head coach for the under-17s ladies coach and also the assistant coach for the senior Athlone Town ladies team. Anthony, how are you doing? Hi Robbie, thanks very much for having me on. Oh, look, it's a pleasure, Anthony. Look, before we actually get to the girls, let's talk about the team's league form this season. It's been a pretty solid season so far three wins, two losses, and two draws. How was your view this year's league form?
4: Yeah, uh, so we're in phase two at the moment So it started off initially with phase one So to try and get the seedings for the season So in the initial phase we played uh, seven games We won three and drew two of them And we lost two uh, So this year when we started out initially I sort of um, had the plan that A lot of these girls were very young We have, a, we have 10 sevens. We have nine and we have 105, which that means that there's only going to be one girl over age, say, next year. And then we have uh, 10 girls that are going to be able to play at this age level for three years. So the sort of the goal at the start of the year was to put the foundations in that we'd be able to hit the ground running next year and sort of blood these girls in to get the League of Ireland experience. Of the 20 girls we assigned, there's only three of them previously had women's national league experience so that's what uh, we sort of set down when so I got the backroom team together so we have Niall Craven and Francie Mean, the goalkeeper coach we have Jack Lennon and Derek Fox so what we set down at the start uh, with Mickey O'Connor approached us about this and we said look we'll try and push the, uh, the backroom team together and the goal initially was to just set out and sort of get the girls the experience playing in this league first and then see where we go. Um, most of these girls, so just a bit of background on A lot of these girls, I was the manager for the MSL Gainer Cup for the last three years. So out would that, I would have managed out of the 20 girls, 16 of them, over the last three years and in some cases just two girls there was only a year with me so I have known most of these girls for the last three to four years and have been training them week in, week out so I knew what the quality was there the quality in the Midlands is unbelievable at the moment
3: Can you talk us through some of the signs that you're looking for at this level from the players what are the KPIs or the key performance indicators that you look for where you get to the point that you can say to the under-19s coach or senior coach, Tommy Hewitt, that they're ready for the next level. So
4: it's just the confidence on the ball. So when they get on the ball, they're making the right decisions. You know I mean? They're using the ball. It's not a case that somebody comes out and is a standout player and, you know I mean, beating the teams by yourself. You have to have team players. It's all about the team. It's all about uh, fitting in, knowing what to do, being able to read the game and making the right decisions. I think is a key factor in that, you know, especially this year with the 17s. You know, we have out of the 906s, eight of them have played under 19 football this year with uh, with Brian and Pat with the 19s in that loan. So that's a huge testament to the girls that are there at the moment and how uh, well they're doing. And also we have, I would have five of the girls have made their debut for the senior team. You know, so there is a huge pathway there from 17s going up to play 19s and going on to play senior football. So I think the main thing is just confidence on the ball and uh, confidence in their own ability and being able to see the pass and be able to play that pass
3: as well the club is becoming something of a player factory at the moment I believe that there are currently five players in the senior team that's the Athlone Town senior team that have been on Irish international duty level over the past year talk us through the process from the beginning to senior level and what goes into making high quality player for a club and country
4: Um I think it has to be the work ethic of the player. You know what I mean? We come in, I, unfortunately at the moment we only have about four hours touch time with the girls during the week before a game. You know, a lot of them are young girls doing their leave and doing juniors and that. So we don't. So I think the important thing is outside of the club as well that they're looking after themselves. That they're doing that little bit extra. They're going the extra mile. It's not that... Uh, just relying on what we do in alone. Uh, the girls outside of there, uh, you can see them there. They're training with local clubs from their home. They're training with boys teams, and the want. Uh, I think the hunger has to be there. Some people have the, all the ability in the world, but if they don't have the right attitude and the right mentality and hunger they'll never succeed. So you can see all these girls coming through. It's And I think it's with the success of all the teams, you know, from senior, uh, international, down to 17s as well. There is a pathway now, and to see it that it's not, you know I mean, at one stage it used to be your top teams that were producing all the girls for international level. You can see now the likes of us in Atlant, which are flying high, that all girls are considered. So you don't, there was, I think, a mentality That you had to be playing in the top league in Dublin or, you know, to get noticed. Once you're playing, uh, what's meant for you won't pass you by. And once you're playing at the highest level in the country, you will get seen by all the coaches that's around looking at the players.
3: I know that the club is linked in with the Midland Schoolboy League. Talk to us about that relationship and how it's developed over the past two years.
4: Yes, yeah, so initially when uh, about three years ago I was a coach of the Midlands Gaynor Cup team so what we did is we set up uh, a partnership with the senior team at the time so most of these girls that are in playing 17s now would have had a mentor programme set up with the senior for the MSL and uh, Athlone Town girls so there would have been a midfielder set up with a midfielder and there would have been coaching and mentoring so uh, a lot of this was during the COVID when it hit initially yeah. so so the girls were sending videos to each other. The under thirteen MSL girls, Gainer Cup girls, were sending questions into the senior players on, you know, about their experience and give, looking for advice and what to do on the pitch and the whole lot. So that sort of set the foundation for it and the girls the senior girls were only too delighted at the time and not alone to answer the video calls. So I was the go between so it was every week you're having 15-20 messages being sent from the senior girls to the MSL under 13 at the time and then the 13s were sending videos back so it was a huge uh, I think stepping stone for these girls to see what it takes to play at this level and then you look 3 years, 4 years down the road, these girls are now the next generation that's in playing under 17 football with own Town
3: Let's talk about the 3 ladies that were on Irish trials at the AUL at the weekend Millie Daly, Grace Gleason, and Mary Phillips. Talk to us about these girls and what got them noticed by the Ireland National Scouts.
4: Yes, yeah, so the three super players, uh, that's to me the three girls up in the 17s, they were up there again yesterday at the AUL for the second day of it. So uh, we were playing, so that when phase two of the league started, which is the elite phase, we had Wexford Jutes at home uh, in the first game and James Scott attended the game and he was very impressed with the level of the performance of our girls and Wexford and, you know, he pinpointed the three girls in particular and he asked uh, to bring them up to the assessment centre to see, you know, with the rest of the girls around the country to see how good they are compared to everybody else you know, and I think, to be honest these three girls that went up are only representing the whole team there's a lot more gear that is has the same ability or if not better than what we have. But on the day, James noticed these three girls in particular and they really stood out like they're super players Mary Phillips has been with the club for the last this is her second season playing and Millie playing under-19s so they've been um, huge development and huge improvement over the last few years and Grace then is only new to the club Grace is originally from Clare she was with Treaty United, United before this so Grace came in and she's a box-to-box midfielder Like, and I think the main thing is the attitude of the girls it's super you know. Like they want to improve they want to push each other on the whole time training there we train Tuesday and Thursday at two and a half hours each night and every one of the girls come in and put huge effort in. Just on the seventeens, like uh, the week before that we had four girls that went up for assessments with the under sixteens as well. You know what I mean and it, it just goes to show that the the development within the team is huge and the potential within that team is huge. We'd Kira Walsh Hazel, uh, Donnegan, Aoife Walsh and Lucy Fitzgerald was up the week before
3: with the 16s as well Just uh, for our listeners could you just explain who James Scott is? For, for them?
4: So, yeah, so James Scott is the national coach for the Irish under 17s. He's also over the COE, which is the centre of excellence for underage around the country. And James will be a regular visitor to Athlone there. You know, he'd be coming down and um, taking the COE. A matter of fact, he was down, took a session with the under 17 girls there about two weeks ago and like he was very complimentary of what we have done within the club and progressing these girls on and the pathway we have there and like James would be constantly in contact you know all you've to do is pick up the phone and ring James and ask him look can you have a look at this girl for us and he'd be only t- too delighted to bring them in and see what's uh, there the same as Tom Melens with the under 6 with the Irish under 16s as well
3: i believe that the three girls have already played senior football for the team is that correct
4: uh, two of them have so Mary and Millie have Grace hasn't yet at the moment, but yeah, the two girls have made their senior their debut for the seniors uh, debut for the seniors this year, you know. And it just goes to show with the right attitude and hard work, you know. What I mean, these girls, as I said, two or three years ago, they were part of the MSL sending videos into the senior team, and now the shoes on the other foot, these are the girls that are in there. And what we're doing there in Athlone at the moment is, you know, we're trying to invite all the local teams in within the area and bring them in, give them a tour of the stadium. Uh, Tommy Hewitt then sits down and have a talk with the girls in the gym, show them what needs to to happen in the gym, gives them a bit talk of uh, where the development is. And we have players then to come and talk to them. At half time they come out on the pitch and they play their game. Uh, and then after the game, all the players stay on the pitch for maybe 20 minutes, signing autographs. And it gives a huge lift to all the players and also all the kids that come in. You know what I mean? To see that these girls are just like anybody else, you know, only for their playing at elite level. There's no airs and graces about them you know they're very down to heart and very approachable and they're only too willing in some cases shy to even get a photo with the girls
3: fantastic and when can we expect to hear if the players have been picked for the team when do we expect to hear back uh,
4: about that so with the under 16s two girls have been called back up Keira Walsh and Aoife Walsh have been brought back up for the under 16s uh, next week and then Lucy Fitzgerald and Hazel Donegan will be up three weeks after that. And then the under-17s, there's going to be a preliminary squad. It's only a small squad that's going to be announced later on today. So we're just waiting on emails to see how any of our girls get in. So we're waiting patiently and hoping.
3: Excellent. Uh, keep us updated on that and we'll let people know on Friday evening show. What's up next for you guys in the league?
4: So this weekend we have Donegal at home At half three in the league So we've played Donegal twice already We uh, The best 3-2 at home in the league And we bet them 5-2 in the cup So they're a very strong team So look, at, we're hoping for It's the home game again So we're looking to you know bust ourselves down after the one, one all draw with Shelburn at the weekend and hopefully come out all guns blazing against uh, Donegal this weekend the weekend after we are away to DLR waves and the week after that then we have Cork City at home so three tough games in the next three weeks but look at we're relishing that and I think that's what elite football
3: is all about Absolutely Anthony look thanks a million for chatting to us best of luck to yourself and of course the ladies as well Uh, You're doing fantastic work. I can't believe the amount of quality players you guys are producing at the moment. Keep it up, and uh, look, we'll definitely catch up over the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Minim. Thanks
2: very much, Robbie. I appreciate it.
1: Hello, everyone, and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and the show is as always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. Well, we've come to uh, the, uh, the the GA side of the show and uh, to talk. We're go- as you know, this weekend is the All Ireland Senior Football Final. So to take a- to discuss that and maybe even look look back at the hurling final. We're going to we have uh, former Roscommon goalkeeper Ray Lannan on the line. Hello, Ray. How are you? We well. Not too bad. Great to have you on the line there, and uh, thanks for taking the time out to do it. Yeah, so uh, a big weekend for for the GA with regards to to football and uh, a very interesting All Ireland final. An All Ireland final that happened hasn't happened since uh, two thousand or two thousand and one. Um, you know, it, it's the last time I suppose it, it came. Uh, the last time Kerry came out on top. So I suppose Galway will be wanting to uh, to put it, to put that right. But I suppose really, if you look at the two teams' pathway to the final. Um, you could say really to a degree that maybe Galway had a, had a kind of... Well, I suppose both of them hadn't it easy to, to a degree. But, uh, you know, it wasn't really until I suppose both teams came out of their respective provinces that uh, they started to come up against uh, top quality opposition. I suppose, you know, in Galway's case, Armagh... In uh, Kerry's case, uh, you know, that they, they've come up against uh, some tough teams, I suppose Mayo, and, uh, you, know, you know, it's, it's, go- and Dublin, of course, in the All Ireland semi final. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on their, on their, on their path to the All Ireland final?
5: Under pressure, and then of course Mayo, the first round Galway in a tough game there. So both teams had equally, I'd say, a tough path You know, beating Mayo and, and Dublin in Kerry's position, and uh, beating uh, Galway, uh, Derry, and Armagh, and Penzies and Mayo as well, in Galway situation. So I, I still think Kerry are the massive favourites in this game, Aiden, And I know Galway supporters won't like me saying it, but I don't rate Galway that highly, Aidan. I don't think they're that great of a team. That's my own personal opinion. I think. um I think under their day, the likes of Tyrone, I know they beat Armagh, fair and square. I think, I think uh, Galway have, if you like, um, punched above their weight this season. I think they've played very, very well in all their matches and to deserve to be there on, on merit. But I think if Kerry can hold Damien Comer and Shane Walsh, I see Kerry winning the game by a considerable margin. I think seven, eight, nine 9 points. That's my own view. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I see. I see a one eighteen to maybe four, 13 points, 14 points victory for Kerry 7-8 points and I hope I'm wrong and I hope the cup goes west but I just have a feeling this might be a little bit too early in Galway's development to actually go and bring the cup Kerry have been there before three years ago in the final replay lost to Dublin semi-final throw last year just have a massive bank of experience behind them. these players although they're mainly in their early to mid-twenties most of them and uh, but I think they've just that a little bit more experience and I think Galway there'll be a force in years to come Galway but this year I don't I, I can't see them beating Terry I think Terry have you know a five, 6, 7 point uh, victory on Sunday but as I said it's a West of Ireland man, Connacht man I hope all we bring the
1: Sam McGuire Cup across the Shannon. And like, I mean, when you look at when you look at uh, both sides, uh, you know, from the potential certain fifteen, there, there shouldn't really be much uh, many, many changes from uh, the both semi-finals teams. Um, I suppose when you when you look at uh, when you look at Kerry, I mean, you have the two Cliffords, you have uh, Shea, Sean O'Shea, you have uh, Ryan um, You know, they're solid keeper. We were talking about this as well uh, with regards to their keeper. Their keeper is. Solid. As well, he 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 does come come out a bit, but he he doesn't come out too far. So he's kind of he comes out. When needs be, acting like kind of I suppose a sweeper, but he and that means that you know if ever if ever like they lose the ball, then he can get back in goal and protect the goal, which is the number one priority. Um, I mean, we, we've seen it in in the semi final there with the um, with the dairy keeper. He, he was he came out quite a lot in that semi final, and, and there, there was a sense that he, he you know he would get caught out uh, eventually at some stage in the game, uh, and that 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 proved it where you know he was midfield, and indeed all the the. the the whole dairy team were nearly in, in galway 's half, and then Gal- Galway actually got the break and saw took their opportunity they saw Damien Comer hit it in, and just like I said there he he was caught out um you, you know that that's that, that's the thing maybe. Uh, the goal, the Galway goalkeeper, as well. You know, when you when you look at the goal, Galway goalkeeper, he, you know, I suppose against Clare, wasn't it? And uh, you know, Arma, in one or two Armagh Arma as well. You know, he he was kind of dodgy under the high ball, he was. and uh, maybe that'll be something. Maybe that, that Kerry would be looking to exploit as well.
5: I think so, Aidan. And we we've spoken about Roscommon failing to exploit that weakness in the Galway team they're the full back line you know the, the high ball in is something that Galway find very difficult to cope with I think Muscommon um, proved it in the last few minutes of the Conner final when Galway just couldn't deal with the high balls Armagh high balls in the goalie they couldn't, couldn't deal with it and Kerry will exploit that on Sunday they will target that they're very clever management team in Kerry Jack O'Connor you know Dermot Murphy Michael Quirk you know they're really, really sharp people and I think Kerry—they'll um, be looking at that. and they will have David Clifford in around the house early on. They'll test out the few, the high ball in. And um, they did it against Mayo a few years ago. And they're in they're finals of the two or three goals in, in in the first maybe fifteen, twenty minutes. You know. So I think if you look at um, Kerry's midfield as well, Aidan, You know, David uh, Moran's having a fantastic year this year. They've, they've, you know, they've Jack Barry as well. They've really, really did, done well in all the games in midfield. Uh, but uh, I think I think Kerry just have. Attack and threat. Gavin White is a player that will be big loss to him. He's, there's talk that he won't be playing, but if he is, he's a big loss to Kerry in the half-back line. But uh, listen, if Galway can get the right ball into Comer, he's equally as adept in the, in the air as, as, yeah. as Kerry will be. So if they get the right ball into him, he can, he can cause a lot of trouble. And the breaking ball inside Robbie Finnerty and uh, of course Shane Walsh to get him on the ball enough and get good play, good possession into him, they have a chance. However, I just don't see the Galway defence being capable of holding Kerry forward line and um, I think they've, if you take the Mayo performances against Kerry and the Mayo performance against Galway like Galway okay were comfortable towards the last 10 minutes and then they allowed Mayo back into the game they won by a point whereas Kerry they didn't allow Mayo back into the game in the quarter final they won that game pulling up if you like you know they won by 7 or 8 points in the end a comfortable victory so I, I just feel there's so much if you like Kerry have a danger in their own armoury in that they won the semi-final against Dublin which felt like an All-Ireland final and man's a team won uh, they're all Ireland in the semi-final and went on to the final and then collapsed like me did in 2001 but this is not the Galway team of 2001 or 1998 this isn't the team of Jaffa Allen Pory Joyce Niall Finnegan Michael Donnellan, um, you know Sean O'Doepaire Tomás Mannion uh, Tomás Meehan this is uh, this, this is a different team Kevin Walsh this is a young Galway team it's a team you know, from the team that played Kerry in the quarter final and the Super 8s in 2018, that would on to play the semi final against Dublin in 2018, that's only four years ago. Ke- Galway only have four players left and yeah. two subs. So, like, it's a massive change. Whereas I'd say Roscommon in their squad, I'd say from the 2018 team to the 2022 team, I'd say Roscommon might have 10 or 11 players. You know, there's, Roscommon have had a very little change in the personnel over the last five or six years. But uh, look at Aiden from a neutral. West of Ireland can view, I hope Galway win the game. I just don't see it happen. And if they do, I'll be first to eat my words. But I, I, if I was call it now, I said it to you before. I go carry about one eighteen. Galway twelve thirteen points. That's the way I see it. And I hope I'm wrong on today.
1: So do I. So do I. I, uh, I hope we're, we're, we're wrong on that. But uh, there, there is that instinct to go for Kerry because of uh, I suppose the convincing nature of the, of their uh, results leading to the final. But I suppose like like you just said there, when you compare. The Kerry team to the Galway team. You know, if you, if you take out, uh, you know, you have Damien Comer, Shane Walsh, maybe Kelly in defence, uh, Paul Conroy, I suppose, in midfield. But outside that, you know, you know, they don't have the quality outside that, that maybe, you know, the Kerry have. They don't have the quality.
5: Galway don't have the quality that they had the last time they won the all They don't have those uh, match winners. Uh, to the same level that yeah. they had in, 20, in the early you know the back 20 years ago they have OK Shane Walsh and Damian Comer and Damian Comer was a match winner against Derry but remember they only scored 2-8 two, two against Derry and that, one of them was a goal that you says came in the last minute from a 50-yard punt up the field you know where the goal is yeah. out so 1-8 albeit Derry are a very defensive team um, I, think, I think Galway have shown vulnerabilities this season that Kerry haven't particularly the Connard final was gone with the last 10 minutes the showed was very vulnerable Um, in the first 15-20 minutes against Derry Derry were were running at them and scoring points for fun and just didn't took the foot off the gas Armagh and Fairless came back at them as well in in the last few minutes and and got two goals in from those two high balls in so Galway have shown vulnerabilities in their play that Kerry haven't and Kerry had a, an amazing victory over Dublin. That was one of the great games of all time. It was a battle of the, tit- the titanic struggle between a great Dublin team and a great Kerry team. And there was nothing in it. And Kerry were just about the better team on the day. And they scraped by by a point. I don't yep. think Galway would have lived with Dublin. I don't think Galway would have lived with Kerry that day. But it depends on what team Kerry uh, shows up on Sunday. If they come in,